You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recorded live. Press that one if you want to chime in on anything. 
talking about here, of course, this is on number 49 of Outside. Uh, let's see what 4 Little Mini has on tap right here. Let's go ahead and dive right on into it. Uh, uh, of course, a big story here that has been making the making the scenes here pretty much all day long, courtesy of um, Joseph Lee here at 4 Little Mini. Uh, I'm sure, like I said, if you haven't... Uh, 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 <clears throat> let's see. Let's see. Of course... Uh, uh, this is coming out of, of course, uh, this is coming from Joseph Lee right here. Uh, let's see. We have a here. This is this right here, of course, is a uh, former football great uh, commits suicide in prison here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go ahead and give you an update, then we'll get the original story. TMZ update is TMZ reports that Aaron Hernandez, his former football star, could have been murdered in prison and was not the victim of a suicide. Attorney Jose Baez has started an investigation on behalf of Hernandez's family, and they do not believe he killed himself. He thinks that either inmates or the people in charge of the prison could be by hypothetical murder. He said that Hernandez's family is devastated and doesn't think that he was depressed enough to end his life. Baez previously said last week that Hernandez was in a good place and optimistic the murder conviction would be overturned. The original story about this, ladies and gentlemen, here is the Massachusetts Massachusetts Department of Justice has released a a statement revealing that former militant patriot and convicted murderer Aaron Aaron Hernandez killed himself in his prison cell. He was only 27 years old. Uh, ESPN reporter Michelle Steele revealed the statement in a post on and and here's what she is talking right here. On April 19, 2016, Aaron Hernandez was discovered hanged in a cell by corrections officers at the Sousa Baranowski Center in Shirley, Massachusetts at 3.05 in the morning. Life-saving techniques depended on Mr. Hernandez and he was transported to UMass Leo Minister where he was pronounced dead at 4.07 by a physician at the hospital. Hernandez was in a single cell in a general housing unit. Mr. Hernandez hanged himself utilizing a bed sheet that he attached to his cell window. Mr. has also attempted to block his door by jamming the door with the Massachusetts State on the scene and investigation continues. Mr. Hernandez's next has been notified. Michelle Steele of VSP serving a life sentence for murder. Aaron Hernandez has hanged himself per the Massachusetts Department. This was at 6.33 this morning when this was reported. The Boston Globe reports that I spoke Massachusetts prisons. says he does not think he has wrote a suicide note that's investigating. Assistant Deputy Commissioner of Communications Christopher Fallon added that officials did not put her inside watch because there was no indication of was planning to kill himself. In the general population unit of Baranowski Correctional in Shirley. Hernandez was sentenced to life in prison after murdering Odin Lloyd in 2013. On Friday, he was acquitted of a double murder in Boston from 2012. Very shocking to say the least, J.D. 
Yeah, I woke up to this about six thirty, seven o'clock about this time this morning, however, and I first got the news from CBS Sports, however, and I was, I think, shocked as anyone. I think we all were. But at the same time, as the day wore along, uh, most of the writers and most of the people on television said they were not surprised. I mean, yes, you do feel sorry for Odin Lloyd's family after what had happened a few years ago. The one person you do feel sorry for in this case, however, in a way, however, and I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about her and his family by any means, is this four-year-old little girl. I mean, she's going to grow up now without a father not knowing what really happened, however. And uh, like I said, Phone and Lloyd's family, I mean, this bizarre, strange, nightmarish, nightmarish story, however, uh, comes to a grisly end, and it's, it's heartbreaking, sure. I mean, 27 is a young age, but for what he did, however, I mean, not to say anything mean-spirited. I mean, you do the time you pay the crime, but uh, in this case, however, it just seemed like a few days ago they said in the news, however, I mean, he was thankful that he didn't get charged for a second thing, and now I'm sure we'll hear more stories about this, uh, why he did it, how he did it, and was it like, I mean, sort of like the Lawrence Phillips story back in the day when Lawrence Phillips got in all the trouble uh, as far as a football player goes. But, I mean, like I said, this story uh, somewhat comes to a heartbreaking end in a way, yes, but at the same time, for now, the nightmare is uh, finally over. But I'm sure for the family tower, the pain and suffering continues in more ways than one. And, like I said, our thoughts are with Hernandez's friends and family tonight, certainly of what friends and family he has left, obviously. But this is just, this is very bizarre and strange, to say the least. Yes, indeed, and actually, there'll be probably more updates on this as as time goes forward. But uh, yes, indeed, a very, very, very uh, heinous situation here. And like I said, we'll, if we hear any more, of course, we'll bring it here to you as soon as possible. about four other things. Is if anyone goes on this page, and I don't know if JD, if you probably noticed this or not, but apparently uh, they have a note here. Uh, and let me go ahead and read this note before I go to the next story. Time being, only access the site using 411wrestling.com. Uh, bookmark that URL and only access the site via that address. Apparently, 411mania.com has been You can safely don't use that. You'll notice that all links are already 411wrestling.com URLs. Please only use that domain until further notice. And they ask, and they say, of course, thank you for that. So apparently, for, so some somebody has kind of uh, kind of damaged the 411.com, domain. Uh, so they've had to switch everything over to 411wrestling.com. So we want to throw that out there here to everybody in case you try to access the uh, that page. Yeah, I've had trouble with that for a few days now, and certainly, however, uh, keep an eye on that, people. So, so yeah, so definitely keep that in mind there as well. Um, uh, next story here, Kevin, also coming from Joseph Lee of 411 Mania. Julia Roberts named World's Most Beautiful Woman by People Magazine. Hmm. The magazine is named Julia. Oh, I'm sorry, JD, you were going to say something? People Magazine is just named Julia Roberts as the World's Most Beautiful Woman of 2017. Her fifth time receiving the honor. She says she is very flattered to achieve the record. And here are highlights of an interview that was done with with Miss Roberts on beating George Clooney's two sexiest man alive covers. She says, I'm going to mention that in my Christmas card to the Clooney's this year. <laughs> on the success of the movie Pretty Woman, people say, Oh, when Pretty Woman came out, it must have really changed your life. And it's kind of become this joke, but the truth is, I was out of town when Pretty Woman came out. 
she says in the cover story, I was in another movie in this tiny little town <clears throat> that was showing Star Wars in its first run. I remember reading The Pretty Woman came out this weekend and made this much money. And I thought, is that a lot of money? Is that good? Is that great? I didn't really know. And uh, and on her future, she simply just says, I think I'm currently peaking. She has peaked. I mean, let's take a look at all the movies she's done. America's Sweethearts, Mystic Pizza, The Ocean's Trilogy, uh, Steel Magnolia. I mean, she's... Uh, done a comedy drama, a lot of great movies over the last 20, 25 years. I mean, she has become a big, uh, she's probably, like, to me, when you look at her, she's sort of like, I mean, I wouldn't compare her to, uh, Audrey Hepburn, but she sort of is, she's sort of like, the, she's the ultimate glamour girl. I mean, she has been for 20, 25 years, however, and she's great, done great movies that have been successful, some that have not done so great, but some people still watch them, and she's continued to become one of Hollywood's uh, most famous females, and Good for her to see that she's the most recognized female in Hollywood today. Certainly. Indeed. We can't wait to see what else she does there, of course, if she gets back into the movie scene here. Uh, next up here, and uh, one more that actually came out uh, yesterday, and I'll read this, and I'm going to turn J.T. loose on some stories. Uh, this is courtesy of Jeremy Thomas. Like I said, the story came out yesterday. The first teaser on, like, uh, online for... This new uh, sci-fi Superman. Uh, sci-fi Superman prequel has seen the release of its first. You can check out the video right here below for the series. Of course, it's right here for this four-letter wrestling post, which stars Cameron as Segel, Superman's grandfather, alongside George Jenny Campbell as Lita Zod part of Krypton's military cast and daughter of General Allura Zod. The Krypton series follows Segel during the time when the House of El was ostracized and shamed as he fights to redeem his family's honor and save his beloved world from chaos. Segel and Lita Zod are in the midst of a secret forbidden relationship. Oh. Hmm. Well, never mind the video. Apparently they're saying that the video does not exist. Uh, anyway, uh, um, apparently another, I tell you what, they're hitting pretty good with a lot of these, uh, trying to cover all aspects of the Superman genre. Yep, they are. So I can't wait. I, I might take a gander at this and all that. I mean, I, I, the only one I got to tell you, other than watching a lot of the movies, of course, well, I saw all, seen all the movies, and of course I've seen... I think the only real TV series is, I saw Lois and Clark. I watched that, and I, I, the only other one I really, I really took a chance with was was uh, Smallville. There was a lot of episodes of Smallville I did like. As a matter of fact, I got all seasons except for one on DVD. Uh, this might be pretty good. We'll have to wait and see how this goes um, with this show as well. So that's all I will be. That's all I'll have here this evening. Like I said. Uh, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, any stories, like I said, if you want to read up on uh, 411 Mania, go, as they as they have requested, of course, their domain has been compromised. So to go to 411wrestling.com if you want to read any more of their stories. Uh, of course, like I said, I do want to thank, of course, the folks at 411 Mania for allowing us to read a lot of their uh, stories that they post here online here in the, in the WCWS radio network. Of course, because of their wrestling or movie-related, of course, we always try to bring them to you as best we can. 
Uh, let's go ahead here and uh, let's turn it over to JD for like if he has any any stories to uh, pop on the scene here. Okay, well, we have our top five movies of the weekend. Here's what we got. The Fate of the Furious, however, definitely took in a lot of money this week, however, in its opening week. On a budget of $250 million, however, it opened up at number one with $98.8 million. So uh, worldwide, we understand it became the biggest opening in China, however, according to reports, over 150, maybe 200 million, and could be well over the 100 million mark back here in the States as early as this coming week. The Boss Baby, which was the number one movie last week, however, dropped the spot, however, and lost about 39% of its audience, grossing in $16 million. But in three weeks' time so far, it has made over 116.70 or $117 million. Beauty and the Beast, however, is number three with 13.7, however. Despite the movie being out for five weeks now, it has grossed over $454.7 million in just less than a month, almost five weeks' time now. It continues to be the biggest box office hit so far this year. Smurfs The Lost Village, however, dropped the spot from third to fourth, taking in $6.7 million. On, in two weeks' time, however, on a budget of $60 million, it has already made $25 million. And going in style, however, the crime caper comedy starring Alan Arkin, Michael Caine, and Morgan Freeman, well, on a six budget of $60 million, has made $25 million in just two weeks' time, finished number five this week with $6.3 million. Now this week, however, here are your movies coming up this week that look interesting. Katherine Heigl, Rosario Dawson, Cheryl Adda, Whitney Cummings starring the crime, the drama thriller, Unforgettable, which Catherine, of course, the star from Grey's Anatomy, is a woman barely coping with the end of her, uh, her child when her ex-husband becomes happily engaged to Rosario Dawson, only to realize, however, that she has become a homewrecker and trying to ruin her ex-husband and her, his new wife's life. The Promise, starring Oscar Isaac, however, Christian Bale, however, in which, however, it'll be a very interesting movie, is also set to be released this week. Phoenix Forgotten, starring Chelsea Lopez, and Luke Roberts is also going to be out this week. John Krasinski, best known to you all as Jim Halper from The Office, however, stars in the movie, however, Born in China. Brie Larson, however, best known for her role, however, that came out a few years ago, however, um, get the name of the movie, it was a big hit, however, it was an Oscar award winner, comes back with another good movie this week, along with Cillian Murphy and Artie Hamer, however, Free Fire. And few animated fans, our Jeff Foxworthy and Rob Stern starting in a limited movie called Ozzy, rated G. So definitely check that out this week. Now, if you sports fans, however, let's shift focus from one sport to the next. However, obviously, of course, the big story, of course, is the NBA playoffs, of course. And here is who's playing tonight. The Atlanta Hawks, however, will be playing the Washington Wizards here at the top of the hour, beginning at 9 p.m. Oklahoma City will be playing Golden State. Portland, meanwhile, will be playing Golden State in the late-night game at 10.30. For you hockey fans, however, the hockey playoffs continue on tonight, however, and here is who is on the ice tonight. Washington and Toronto will be playing each other at 7 o'clock. Ottawa will be playing Boston at 7.30. Minnesota will be playing St. Louis at 9.30. And at 10 o'clock, our Anaheim and Calgary. Anaheim's up 3-0 in that series. St. Louis is up 3-0 in their series. Ottawa's up 2-1 in their series against Boston. And right now, it is 2-1 Toronto in their series heading into the, tonight's action. Now, tomorrow night, however, folks, here is who will be on tap. 
The Pittsburgh Penguins will be back on the home ice at the PPG Paints Arena, hoping to close out the series against Columbus after losing last night 5-4, however, in regulation. The Toronto Maple, excuse me, New York and Montreal tied at 2 will be resuming their series at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, I believe, in New York City. The National Predators could pull off the biggest upset of the first round of the playoffs tomorrow if they could sweep out the Chicago Blackhawks at the top of the hour tomorrow night. Also, the Edmonton Oilers, however, and the San Jose Sharks will wrap up the night at 10.30 in late-night action. Also tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, at 8 o'clock in prime time, for you football fans, I know you're dying to hear this, though, Despite the fact that earlier today, however, Bill Belichick and his team showed up at the White House for President Trump, however, the rest of the NFL, along with the Patriots, will find out, however, the NFL regular season schedule will be announced tomorrow night. And early speculation is reporting that it could be my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger taking on Tom Brady, who did not show up at the White House earlier today, however, due to a family emergency, we understand, from what we heard, however, in the very first Sunday night game of the regular season. Of course, we will let you know which big games that are exciting to watch, Tower. Of course, last week the preseason was announced, Tower, but tomorrow night it will be announced officially who will be playing who in the first Sunday night and Monday night game. Meanwhile, however, for you UFC fans, Tower, according to reports, Tower, Dana White spoke with Colin Coward earlier today, however, on his show, and early speculation is saying that the upcoming Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight, which has been moving around for the last several years, Tower, could finally be settled on a payday, and early speculation saying that both fighters could be receiving anywhere between 75 to $100 million for this fight. We do not know exactly where the fight is being held yet, although some people are saying right now, however, it could be held in Las Vegas. Some are still speculating that the fight could be held in McGregor's home country of the Emerald Isle in the city of Dublin. Of course, McGregor is, uh, or excuse me, Mayweather is 49 and 0 with 26 KOs, and uh, as far as Mayweather, uh, McGregor's record goes, I'm trying to find that here. Just bear with me here, folks. I uh, can't seem to find it, but uh, early speculation is, however, like I said, that they could be announcing very soon uh, the payday and the location of the fight. We will be keeping you up to date with this story, but again, as I said, however, Floyd Dana White did speak with Colin Coward earlier today and estimated, according to reports, that McGregor's payday for the potential fight could be anywhere at $75 million, with Mayweather possibly getting $100 million for the fight. So... Big money there, to say the least. Uh, let's see. Some other news to report. As we talked about, we did mention the Aaron Hernandez story at the top of the hour. Also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in non-related news, however, usually this is reserved for wrestling, but we did mention it yesterday, however, on our show, however. The brother of Roman Reigns, however, Matt Annoy, better known to you all as the uh, wrestler Rosie from the early part of the 2000s, passed away Monday night, tragically, at the age of 47 of a heart attack. Of course, he was also a member of the tag team 3-Minute Warning back in the early part of the decade. However, the 2000s teaming up with Eddie Fatu, better known to you all as Jamal, if you will. WWE, of course, however, issued the following statement, however, mind you, yesterday morning prior to their show last night in Louisville, Kentucky. The Annoy family is mourning the loss of Sika's son, Matt, however, and we want his fans to know that he loved them and the world so much. In his passing, he left three beautiful children and a heartbroken family. 
Please respect the privacy of his shown family as they mourn the loss of this kind, loving gentleman who is a father, son, brother, and superhero to us all. Superhero to us all, excuse me. Our family appreciates your prayers and continued support during this very difficult time. So, uh, definitely on behalf of all of us here at the network, how we would like to express our condolences to the family of Matthew Annoy and uh, Roman Reigns' uh, like I said, brother, if you will, the Roman Reigns family as well, certainly. And that's uh, pretty much all we got for right now. JD, thank you very much there, sir. I'll have to step away for just a second. I do appreciate that. Uh, 1-724-444-7444. Call ID 141-387-POUND. This is episode number 49 of Outside the Ropes, Wednesday, April 19th, 2017. I'm, of course, once again, Mr. WCWS Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you, alongside the Iceman, J.D. Jared DiGirolamo, of course, a 2015 and 17 Hall of Famer, and, of course, one of the uh, men behind, one of the hosts behind WCWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoe.com. <clears throat> now, I think we've got the seat all hot ready for J.D. to sit in, so, J.D., if you want to, if you please, sir, uh, don't bur- try to burn yourself now. Uh, I will Ow! Sorry. <laughs> I had to spook him there a little bit. It's time once again, like I said, to get JD, like I said, on the on the mark here. Let's see what we have here in terms of some big time uh, movie trivia here. Of course, all different all different uh, genres are covered here. Uh, of course, we thank AMCTV.com for, of course, allowing us to uh, use these uh, to ask these uh, big time movie quiz questions. All right, JD. Here we go, sir. <clears throat> Twenty-three questions are covered in, in this in this week's quiz. All here right. we go. Which of the following top four credited performers from Rebel Without a Cause in 1955 lived the longest number of years? Was it Jim Backus, James Dean, Sal Mineo, or Natalie Wood? Uh, I'm gonna say Natalie Wood. You're saying Natalie Wood. Okay, and the answer is. Believe it or not, it was Jim Backus. Mr. Magoo. Yes, uh, of course, Thurston Howard from Gilligan's Island. He died in 1989 at the age of 76, followed by Natalie Wood, of course, the drowning in 1981 at the age of 43. Sal was stabbed to death in 1976 at the age of 37. And, of course, we all remember what happened to James Dean, death from a car wreck in 1955, uh, the same year that movie came out. Actually, uh, that, it, I see he did three movies. That he used to be in Giant was his last film. So well, Giant, Giant, was Giant was a great movie. Rock Hudson, Little oh. Taylor, there on DVD. Oh my God! Oh, this is that he was only 24 when he died. That's that is indeed sad. Indeed, I would have loved to have seen what what sort of impact he could have given a lot of your actors of today. Oh, I would have. I would agree. I mean, he he was a very unique guy. I mean, there's no doubt. Known for his, I mean, there was a lot of people say he's also known for his temper, but he was a pretty good actor for the most part. A lot of people had nothing but high praise from him. Some people did, some people didn't. Though. Absolutely, indeed. But uh, he is truly one, and of course, the uh, the Hollywood does miss to this very day, indeed. Frank Capra won the Academy Award Oscar as Best Director for all the following films, except which one? Was it A? It happened one night from 1934. B, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town from 1936. C, You Can't Take It With You from 1938. Or Mr. Smith Goes to Washington from 1939. I'm going to say Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. 
Okay. She said, the answer is, you're absolutely right. It was Mr. Smith who goes to Washington. All, only three best director wins occurred over a five-year period between 34 and 38, winning each time for a comedy rather than a drama. Hmm. Okay. Next one here. Which, okay, <clears throat> think of this movie very carefully, J.D. Think of this tagline. Think of this tagline. Which film classic had, had this as its tagline? Neither heaven nor earth could keep them apart. Was it A, The Devil and Daniel Webster from 41, B, A Guy Named Joe from 43, C, Here Comes Mr. Jordan from 41, or D, A Matter of Life and, life and Death from 46? I'm going to say uh, heaven and earth. Yeah. No, 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 that, no that's, that's part of the um, tag. No, that's the no, tag. see, see, yeah, heaven and Okay. You're saying here comes Mr. Jordan then. Yeah. Okay. Okay, the answer is A Matter of Life and Death from 46. Director Michael Powell and Enric Pressburger's British film A Matter of Life and Death, also known as A Stairway to Heaven, was a fantasy tale of the afterlife, a popular theme of Hollywood films during the 1940s wartime era. Huh, I did not know that. Huh. You learn something new every day. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think you might know this movie pretty well, JD. Let's see if you might see if you might know uh, know know, uh, know this pre- know this pretty well here. Okay. Let's get to it here. What what, what was what were Police Chief Mar- Martin Brody's first words upon seeing the great white shark in Jaws in 1975? Was it A. Smile you sob, B. This shark swallow you whole, C. That's a twenty footer. Or D, you're going to need a bigger boat. I'm going to say D, we need a bigger boat. Cause I just watched that today. You're, believe it or not, you are correct. When the monstrous shark rose out of the water and nearly took Brody's hand off, it was the film's first full glimpse of the shark. An hour and 20 minutes into the film, Brody couldn't believe the, the size of the creature and made a classic, practical, understated assessment to shark killer Quint, who was played by Robert Shaw, about it. <laughs> okay. Which of the following Doris Day films was a remake of My Favorite Wife of 1940? Please don't eat this? the daisies. Hmm? It's Please Don't Eat the Daisies, I believe, on that one. Okay. That's not okay, well, I, that's not one of the choices. Uh, okay. Okay, well, well no, no I'm I'm glad you I'm glad that you're up there um Taking the chance there, but hey, that, if you gotta do it, you gotta do it. There you go. But here you go. Let me give it to you and see. This might kind of help out a little bit. Was it A, Love Me or Leave Me from 55, B, Move Over Darling from 63, C, to The Pajama Game from 57, or D, Pillow Talk from 59? Uh, I'm gonna guess. Uh, not Pillow Talk. What were the other ones again? Love me or leave me, move over, darling, or the pajama game. I'm gonna say the pajama game. Okay. It was actually move over, darling, from '63. It was a reshot version of the uncompleted Marilyn Monroe "Something's Got to Get" from '62, and a remake of the Cary Grant Irene Dunn romantic comedy "My Favorite Wife" of 1940. So, probably this was an uncompleted Marilyn Monroe film because I think Marilyn probably died around this time. I think it was around this time. I think when that happened, I guess. Okay, 
I'm sure you remember this movie very well. In Disney's animated Peter Pan from 1953, what was the breed of the darling's dog, Nana? Was it a Labrador Retriever, a Newfoundland, a Poodle, or a St. Bernard? Oh, God, it's been a long time since I've seen that. Uh, if I remember correctly, I believe it was... Uh, uh, oh, shoot. I should know this. Darn it. <laughs> I'm gonna say, crap! I should know this. Uh, I think it was a Newfoundland, if I remember correctly. The Newfoundland. It was a Saint Bernard. Think so. In the original play. Oh. Okay. Anna was a, was a Newfoundland, so technically you were right. But in Disney's version, she was a Saint Bernard. Nana functioned as a darling children's nursemaid, cleaning up after their frequent messes. Hmm. So I say, as I say in the original play, you were right, but I think in Disney's version they changed it. So. Uh, oh, okay. I think we all remember this movie very well. What did the narrator describe the color of the of the neighborhood? Uh, uh, crap. Hold on. I'll say it in a minute. What did the narrator describe as the color of neighborhood and school bully Scott Farkas, who was played by Zach Ward, his eyes? in A Christmas Story from 1983. Yellow eyes. Black. I don't think I need to say it. You yeah, had yellow eyes. Just... So help me God, yellow eyes. <laughs> that's, and that's the quote I have right here. Uh, the children, as I said here, the children were hounded by Scott Farkas, as the narrator described. Scott Farkas staring out at us with his, his yellow eyes. He had yellow eyes, like you said, J.D., so help me God, yellow eyes. Accompanied by the Wolf's theme song from Peter and the Wolf. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, okay. This will not be pretty easy, J.D. What was the call sign or nickname of Sam Wells, who was played by Tim Robbins, in Top Gun from 86? Was it Goose, Iceman, Merlin, or Slider? What was the actor's name again? It It was the character played by Tim Robbins. And Top Gun. Goose, Iceman. What were the other two again? Merlin or Slider? Slider. You say Slider. It was Merlin. Merlin. The nickname of Sam Wells was Merlin. He was, uh, he was actually, he he actually became uh, Tom Cruise's radio, uh, RIO after Goose's death, who was Goose's played by Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Remember at the end of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Had the purple helmet. That was, oh boy, that was. In the film Stand By Me from 1986, who was the leader of the older boys' gang? Was it Charlie Hogan, Gordy Lachance, Ace Merrill, or Billy Tessio? Uh, let's see, it's not Billy Tessio. Uh, and the other three were choices again. Let me hear them one more time so you know. No problem. Charlie Hogan, Gordy Lachance, Ace Merrill. And what was this again? Stand what? By Me from 86. Who was the leader of the older boys' gang in that movie? Oh, Ace. Kiefer Sutherland, of course. So you're saying it was Ace. Okay. Yeah. And you're correct. It was Ace. John Ace Merrill, of course, played, like you said, played by Kiefer Sutherland, led a group of older boys, including Billy, Charlie, Eyeball, and Vince. 
eyeball. <laughs> okay. Although Dorothy Lamore was leading actress in the long series of Road 2 movies with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, who replaced her in the lead female role in the final Road to Hong Kong in 1962? Was it Joan Collins? Eddie Lamar, Debbie Reynolds, or Gene Tierney? I'm going to say A. You're going to say Joan Collins? Yeah. It was Joan Collins. In the seventh and last of seven road films, Joan Collins was given the lead role, while Lamar had a small cameo appearance. Huh. I saw one or two of those. Those were kind of funny. What was oh, okay? What was the character name of actor Yul Brynner in the classic western *The Magnificent Seven from 1960? Oh, I should know this guy. This is one of my favorite movies. I haven't seen the newer one, but that's actually an oldie and a favorite of mine. I should remember this too. Okay. Okay. The choices are Britt, Calvera, Chico, or Chris Adams. Oh God, I know I'm gonna kick myself. If I get this answer wrong, I know I'm gonna kick myself. Uh, if I remember correctly, I believe it was Chico. Chico? It was Chris Adams. Chris Adams, I should have known that. Darn it! Chris Larrabee Adams, played by Yul Brenner, was one of seven gunfighters helping Mexican peasants to defend their home. Okay. The classic MGM science fiction film Forbidden Planet from 1956 was based upon which Shakespearean play? Was it Hamlet, Macbeth, The Tempest, or Titus Andronicus? I'm going to say The Tempest. Tempest. It was The Tempest. The film's plot was loosely based upon Shakespeare's play The Tempest, in which a man, uh, magician Prospero, slash Dr. Morbius, on a, remote Mediterranean, on a remote Mediterranean island, or in this case a distant planet, Altair IV, used his magical powers, or techno- in this case technology, to bring his things under his control. Wasn't, wasn't Leslie Nielsen in this as a young man? Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, I thought... He was in it. Uh, my friend has it on a deep... It's so funny. Uh, he was in it. Uh, I thought I should know the cast of the cast. I mean, Walter Pigeon was in it. Uh, there was a couple other big names in it, too. Whose career was launched with an appearance in the movie The Lion in Winter, which came in, came in 1968? Was it Richard Burton, Catherine Hepburn, Anthony Hopkins, or Peter O'Toole? Richard Burton. Okay. It was Anthony Hopkins. His career was launched as a debut film, appearance as Richard, while Hepburn's was revived with the Best Actress Oscar, which was her third win, and Peter O'Toole as King Henry II received his third Best Actor nomination. Okay. In which of the following films did Kira Knightley experience her feature film Breakthrough? I believe this is talking about uh, this might be talking about her debut, I'm not sure. Was it A was it A Bended by Beckham, B Gosford Park, C Love Actually, or D Pride and Prejudice? Which actress you said? Kira Knightley. This was Bendit Like Beckham. This was a soccer movie, wasn't it? Yep. You're right, it was. Yeah, because her family was not no, did not know she played soccer. It was generally been has been generally been acknowledged that Nolly's performance as a tomboy soccer or football player named Jules Paxton in Ben and White Beckham, which came out in two thousand two in the UK, 
really brought her widespread recognition. Al Pacino's fourth Oscar acting nomination came for his role as an inept bank robber in which of the following Dog Day Afternoon. Attica! Attica! (laughs) Absolutely right. She the fourth Oscar nomination for Dog Day Afternoon in 1975, but it wasn't until his eighth nomination for Son of a Woman in 1992 that he finally won Best Actor. Son of a Woman was great. Hoo-yah! Yeah, but Dog Day Hoo-yah! but Dog Day Afternoon was even better because you had John Cassell in it. However, as Fredo, I mean, because Fredo was in a lot of good movies in the same. That I mean, The Godfather one and two, that one, and then of course he was also in a couple other ones, including his last one, which ultimately. He passed away before it was released, and that was the Deer Hunter when he played Stanley. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay, okay. Great movies. Great movies. In the German expressionist film The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920, what was revealed to be in the cabinet during Dr. Caligari's sideshow act? Was it A, a dead body, B, an Egyptian mummy, C, a sleepwalker, or D, a stuffed dummy? Uh, I'm going to say a mummy. You're going to say a mummy. Okay. Believe it or not, it was a sleepwalker. Huh. In the first true horror film, Dr. Caligari's hypnotized sleepwalker uh, named Cesare, who was played by Conrad Veet, who had been asleep for over two decades, was awakened in the cabinet. Huh. Huh. In the entire James Bond film series, which actress portrayed the character of Secretary Miss Moneypenny the most times. Was it A, Samantha Bond, B, Caroline Bliss, C, Lois Maxwell, or D, Pamela Salem? Moneypenny. You don't know what I can do. (laughs) (laughs) And if I remember correctly, it was Lois Maxwell. (laughs) And you are correct. Canadian actress Lois Maxwell portrayed the unrequited love interest of Agent 007, in the first 14 official Bond films from 1962 to 1985. You know what's sad is about that whole thing in the 20 years that she played Money Penny, though? Not once. I mean, she always told her feelings for change, but James never reciprocated, whether it be Moore or Connery or even Lazenby for that one role. Certainly. I thought one, a couple of cases, I thought. Two of them might probably go at it. Well, Moonra- you thought Moonraker was one, and I remember living. Uh, well, uh, what was it? Yeah, Moonraker was one. Uh, obviously, uh, what was it? Uh, it was early at uh, Diamonds Are Forever, especially if you remember correctly. He kind of at one point that was the plan. Yeah, yeah. I agree. This is this next one here. Which actress portrayed best-selling children's book author Beatrix Potter? Renee Zellweger. Biopic. Hmm? I'm sorry. Renee Zellweger. It's been on cable. Oh, for my campaign. Campaign. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen a little bit of that movie, and it is a good movie, though. Biopic Miss Potter, of course, came out of 06. You say Renee Zellweger. You're all right. Non-British actress Zellweger took on an English accent to portray Beatrix Potter. It received a globe. Ugh, crap, I can't even Golden Globe. Thank you. Nomination for her performance. Thank you. Uh, something instructed. We're two words out with a G. Get your tongue tied there a little bit. Yep. During the making of which film did Roman did director Roman Polanski work with his soon-to-be wife Sharon Tate? Was it The Fearless Vampire Killers, Repulsion, Rosemary's Rosemary's Baby, or Valley of the Dolls? 
Oh, I should know this. What's supposed to be most famous baby before Charles Manson murdered her? Uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. You're saying Valley of the Dolls. It was the fearless vampire killers. Ah. She was married to director Polanski in 1968, shortly after the making of the fearless vampire killers, which came out in 67, which was a comedy vampire film in the style of Hammer films. Hmm. Hmm, interesting. In which end-of-the-world film did a delusional general named Jack D. Ripper, who was played by Sterling Hayden, suspect that the Russians have fluorided, fluorided the, fluoridated the water, causing him to set in motion World War III? Was it A, Dr. Strangelove from 64, B, Failsafe from 64, The Missiles of October of 74, or On the Beach in 59? I think it was On the Beach in uh, 74, if I remember correctly. On the Beach in 59. Okay. And believe it or not, it was Dr. Strangelove. Dark, Stanley Kubrick's dark comedy, Dr. Strangelove, postulated that, crazed, that a crazed general could easily command a nuclear attack upon the Ruskies. <laughs> I like that name. That's pretty funny. Which of Steven Spielberg's Best Picture nominated films <clears throat> listed below gave the director his second Best Director Oscar win? Was it Schindler's List from 93, Saving, I was about to say the other way around, but Saving Private Ryan <laughs> from 98, <laughs> Munich from 05, or Letters from Iwo Jima from 06? Munich. Say Munich. It was saving Private Ryan. Although Schindler's List gave Spielberg a double win, his first Best Picture and Best Director Oscar wins, it was saving Ryan's Private. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> saving Ryan's Private. I knew we were going to go there. In 1998, they gave his second Best Director Oscar, although he lost Best Picture that year to Shakespeare in Love. Okay. Yes. Now, if it was the other way around, he might have won it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I'm just guessing, man. I'm just guessing. Who starred as the crazed Dr. Moreau in the original film, The Island of the Lost Souls, based upon H.G. Wells' adaptation of his 1896 novel, The Island of Dr. Moreau? Was it Marlon Brando, Burt Lancaster, Charles Walton, or Bela Lugosi? The original one? The original film, The Island of Lost Souls. I'm going to say Brando. I'm going to say Brando. It was Charles Walton. He started as a South Seas, South Seas Island doctor in the original. This was actually 1932, as did Burt Lancaster and Marlon Brando in two later films. The Island, of, of course, it was, both of them were called The Island of Dr. Moreau in 1977 and 1996. I think Brando was in the 96 version, I yeah. think. And it's funny you mentioned him. I just watched what was it last week? The Missouri Breaks with him and Jack Nicholson. He's still he's still a great actor even to that day. He's, yeah. he's still one of the best. Yes. In the remake of the '51 science fiction classic, The Day the Earth Stood Still from '08, in what city does the flying saucer land? Is it Chicago, Detroit, New York, or Washington D.C.? D.C. Actually, New York. Hmm. In the 08 remake, the glowing the glowing spaceship landed in Central Park in New York City. 
The extraterrestrial flying saucer landed on the ellipse in President's Park in D.C. in the original version. Yeah, so you you're on the right ball. You're on you're on the right track, but I mean, but this was the new version they were referring to. Uh, and the final score here, uh, JD JD kind of improved a little bit there from last week. He did he he got ten correct and thirteen incorrect. But he did too bad. So JD JD did a whole lot better. Uh, so we will, like I said, once again, ladies and gentlemen, save this here again. And like I said, the next, of course, next Wednesday right here around this time, we'll be bringing, of course, J.D. Uh, <clears throat> back up to speed here on a lot of wrestling trivia. And I'm sure J.D. going to be watching a whole bunch more movies, trying to find a lot of these older ones that we've, that we've mentioned tonight. And who knows, he might kind of, uh, might kind of, uh, kind of reacquaint himself with a lot of, with, with a lot of these old, old films here as well. A lot of these I had never heard of myself, but, uh, Hey, you learn something new every day here when we, when we do these shows each and every each and every week. There you go. Uh, 1-724-444-7444. Call ID 141-387-POUND. This is episode 49 uh, outside of Outside the Rubs here. Of course, this is Wednesday, April 19, 2017. Of course, once again, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw right here alongside the Iceman, J.D. Jeremy Geronimo, of course, from WWS Raw Radio, and of course, I've uh, 2015 and 17 Hall of Famer as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, coming up here in about, coming up in about, uh, let's see here, in uh, more, a little more than 40 some minutes here at um, at 8 o'clock, of course, will be WWS Wrestling Debate. Um, like I said, JD, along with TNWO and the Black Widow, will be bringing you some, uh, some uh, we'll be debating and discussing some moments here around in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, that will come here, like I said, uh, tonight from 8 to 9. Of course, uh, call ID will be 139-925-POUNDS, so join us then. And, of course, coming up at 9 o'clock, I'll be back with WWS Revolution, <clears throat> uh, which, of course, like I said, will be definitely bringing you some more wrestling news and views, uh, some more history and some birthdays. Uh, and, of course, uh, some uh, talk, we'll talk about the results of uh, – we'll have plenty to talk about here, I'm sure, about the results of SmackDown Live last night. And once again, with time allotted, we'll be having some more wrestling extras. Um, may introduce a couple, uh, a couple of uh, new concepts here tonight. We're not sure yet, but we'll definitely bring that here to you. Of course, Revolution will also, of course, be um, coming here tonight. Our live video feed is being set up right now. The Radio Network Group Tour is already getting things prepared now, as we, of course, will be filming from NXT US, the future generation. So definitely join us for, for our live video feed from that here tonight. Right here, of course, one three eight zero five five pound from nine to eleven p.m. Join myself, Team W.O., the Iceman, the Black Widow, and the Human Suplex Machine. As we, of course, talk about everything in the world of wrestling here tonight. Of course, coming up from nine to eleven p.m. for the Mothership Broadcast Revolution. Uh, JD, anything else you wish to add before we close out the evening? No, not tonight. However, like I said, however, we'll have, have definitely quite a bit to talk about here later on, however, but definitely check us out, however. I mean, we're not done yet, however. The uh, rare fourth uh, quadruple stack, however, continues, however, with our third hit of the day, however. But uh, tomorrow night, definitely check out Top Peel Inc. at 7 p.m. 140562, which reward myself, Michelle, and, of course, our two new members, of course, 
the Wolf Queen herself and Heavy Metal, and then at 9 o'clock with a very special, howlingly good Wolfpack Radio Show, 138521 pound. Uh, thank you very much, Sir JD. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you very much for joining us here tonight for episode number 49 of Outside the Ropes. <clears throat> and of course, like I said, be sure to check out all these stories like that we've talked about here tonight. And of course, uh, go to 411wrestling.com. Uh, like we said before, just a quick note, just in case you have not noticed, at 411mania.com, uh, for some reason that, that site has been compromised according according to our friends there. So uh, be sure to just want to read it. up hopefully very soon, hopefully. Hopefully so. Like I said, we will definitely be, they'll definitely be, uh, definitely be shooting for them in that we they get that back up and going. But at least they keep the stories going as, as, we, as they always do. So we do thank them for that as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, for the Iceman, J.D., Jared D. Geralmo, this is Mr. WS Chad Hinshaw saying thank you so much for joining us here tonight. And like I said, be sure to join us here in about 30 minutes for the rest of the debate here, of course, with King NWO, the Iceman, and the Black Widow. And then, of course, <clears throat> Revolution from 9 to 11 p.m. Uh, of course, be sure to join the infamous panel, way too tough to handle, as we, of course, talk everything around the, the realm of professional wrestling. Outside the Ropes is a broadcast of the WCWUS radio network right here on TalkShoe.com. We're over one year older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain not only your wrestling, but your uh, pop culture connection as well. So everyone take care. Uh, We'll see you on the red carpet. And we'll talk to you here uh, later. uh, We'll talk to you later for both Wrestling Debate and then Revolution. Take care. uh, Take care of yourselves and each other. And, of course, always here in the radio network, God bless.